Many of us today may feel hopeless, even desperate. During this coronavirus, there have been feelings of fear, anger, grief, confusion, and being out of control. In the past few weeks, those I've talked to, regardless of race, political views, and socioeconomic standing, are grieving the suffering of people of color and also lamenting the destruction in our cities. They ask God, how long, O Lord, until your justice and righteousness roll down as a mighty stream? How long, O Lord, how long? With each news cycle, our world has seemed to get more and more volatile and the divide and mistrust between people even greater. All this begs the question, do we really believe God can heal, bring death to life, and make a difference? Maybe you've had time in your life when you felt hopeless and desperate. Maybe that's even true today. You're asking God, why not now? How long must I wait? Do you hear me? In today's scriptures, the people who encounter Jesus are asking these same questions. So let's take a look together at the woman with the issue of blood. In the scripture that Kathy and her daughter Dana read for us today, there's a woman who's been bleeding for 12 long years. She was an outcast and considered unclean because she was constantly bleeding and unable to purify herself of sin so that she could be made right with God. As a social outcast, she suffered physically and relationally. And we're told in verse 26 that she suffered under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Here she was, penniless, having painful and humiliating treatments, which only made her suffering greater. She was desperate to be made well and healed. And it was in that desperation she still had hope. It would have been so easy to give up, to shame herself for even wanting a cure, and to despair unto death. But she had heard reports about Jesus, and she came up behind him in the crowd to touch the hem of his garment, believing that alone might heal her. Jesus would have been wearing a prayer shawl, and the tassels on the fringe served as reminders of God's commandments, and they were considered the place of a person's authority. No wonder his power went out from him when she touched the hem of his garment. Her suffering was so great, she risked even greater social ridicule since she was an unescorted, unclean woman in a crowd touching a man. Because of her condition, it meant she would contaminate him. But with God, the opposite took place. As she touched him, he was not contaminated, but immediately she was healed by Jesus' power. God entered into her desperation and brought her life. When Jesus turned and asked, who touched me? Notice the disciples' response, are you kidding me? The crowd is on top of us. Everyone is touching you. They're all desperate for a miracle. Maybe the disciples were bothered by the crowds trying to get to him. They didn't know the plans God had in that moment to make things right and share his glory. They make me ask myself how I'm like the disciples, missing God's work 
in what is happening around me. I'd rather be like this woman. When Jesus asked that question, she fell at his feet, trembling, and told him everything, confessing all. Jesus replied with kindness and compassion. In verse 34, we read, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. He reassured her, Because you risked believing in me, you've been made well. He blessed her to go in peace. He didn't reprimand or belittle her. Instead, he offered her a blessing and a benediction. Your faith has healed you. Be free of your suffering. It was not her works or her duty to the law or being good enough. It was her faith in Jesus Christ as healer that allowed God's work to be done in her life. He invites her to rise up. You imagine him pulling her hands to a standing position to say, go in peace, be whole, complete. You're no longer an outcast, unclean and unwelcome. You're restored to your relationships and community. She became healed and freed emotionally, physically, and socially by God's power. And this is what Jesus does. This public incident allowed for public restitution. And what we realize in her story, as a wise minister once said, is God may seem delayed, but he is setting up the stage for greater glory of himself. Facing our disappointment in the waiting requires trust and surrender. She took great risks. Trusting God might come through for her as an act of surrender. What is in us today that desires to be healed? Can you imagine stretching your arm out to the fringe of your Savior's prayer shawl for his healing power and restoration? Maybe it's for you or someone else. Maybe it's for our nation, our world, as Paul put it, is creation groaning in the pains of childbirth. I was in Jerusalem three years ago and put a note in the Western Wall on behalf of a friend who was paralyzed from a car accident. And in that moment, I was stretching out my arm on her behalf, asking God to heal as only he can. Notice Jesus in the story. He crossed several barriers and boundaries to heal this woman. She was unclean, a person without means, and a female. In both our stories for today, Jesus cares and elevates women, which was so different than the way the culture viewed and treated them at the time. He valued them as worthy of his time, attention, and healing power. In Mark's gospel, everything happens immediately. The action shifts from one hopeless situation to the next. So just as Jesus heals this woman, some come from Jairus' house and tell them that don't bother coming, Jesus, the daughter's already dead. Now we know Jairus had fallen at Jesus' feet earlier, begging him to come to his home, desperate for his daughter to be healed. So when the two heard the bad news, Jesus turns to Jairus and reassures him, don't be afraid. Just believe. Don't listen to what the world says is impossible. Don't let fear rule in your heart. Believe. Jairus had to decide if he'd believe the reality of her death or take a risk that Jesus, the great healer, could still act on her behalf. We may all be tempted to put our faith and trust 
in facts or things that we perceive a reality, but there really is a better reality, and that is Jesus' power to change even a hopeless situation. We don't always see it right away. On that day in Galilee, God had other plans, and it had to happen the way it did for God's better story to get told. Jesus, who was about his father's business, knew just what was needed. He is never late. Unlike the previous healing in public with a crowd, for this second healing, Jesus creates privacy and safety. He turns away the mourners with loud wails and cries, and he goes in the girl's room with her parents, Peter, James, and John. He took her by the hand in the intimacy of her native tongue, commands, little girl, get up, or little lamb, arise. Two small Aramaic words are spoken, and then immediately she gets up and walks, and those present are overcome with amazement and astonishment. With a simple invitation to come back to life, to arise, to recover, she's made whole and restored to her family. That verb, get up, arise, is the same used of Jesus when he was raised up at the end of Mark's gospel. God entered this family's hopeless situation and called the daughter out of death to life. And through her story, we learn that despite our circumstances, God can save, heal, and revive us. God calls us, arise out of your hopelessness, arise out of your despair, out of your struggle, your injustice, your fears. Arise. Jesus is high and lifted up, and we are invited to stretch our hands out to the one who can bring hope, new life, and joy. Jesus' ultimate raising up came as he was raised on a cross to die for our sin, death, disease, and brokenness. In his sacrifice and resurrection, our story would be changed for all time. Jesus is always on time, even when we can't see it. He wants to heal us and restore us, to fill us with the power of his spirit so that we can be agents of change. We can join him in restoring what is broken, bringing healing and peace where there is none. Church, you are doing that. You are rising up for one another every week. There have been countless stories during quarantine of you doing that restoring work. God invites us all to enter a hopeless situation and to make Christ known there. I've been choked up with gratitude for you and your amazing love for one another and for strangers. When my voice cracks and my tears come in my eyes, my 17-year-old is quick to say, oh no, you're not crying again. But I want to share with you one of those stories to help you understand that even now God is at work to bring healing and to restore us through one another. As I prayed about a story I wanted to share with you, before I had time to contact this person to request permission, he wrote me an email requesting a way to thank the church for what so many have done for his family in a time of need. God's timing is perfect. Jossie is here to tell us how you at Stanwich Church have responded to the call. So I joined my voice with his in saying, thank you, church, for arising 
and following your risen King. That was a great sermon by Heather. Good morning, Stanwich Church. This is Jossie here. I wanted to share our story during this pandemic. It's a little unique. Anyway, as you know, my wife Hannah, she works at Yale New Haven Hospital as a nurse. She's been fighting on the front lines of this pandemic with COVID-19. Uh, she contracted the virus, uh, got tested, and was positive. So all of a sudden, she was quarantined in her bedroom for two weeks. This created a lot of unrest for all of us, our little family of three. You know, Hannah was worried, but her symptoms were very, very mild. Um, I had to finish up school, I had five classes, and I had to take care of the little one, um, our little, little daughter, Johari. Um, it was a very pressing time, and I, I prayed on it, I slept on it, I squeezed Johari really tight. I wasn't sure what we were going to do, but I cannot thank you enough. Church family, you guys stepped in big time and really helped us out. You, you have no idea. From the food that was dropped off to essential supplies like toilet paper, <laughs> um, to calling in, texting, making sure we're okay, uh, being of service to us, it was absolutely incredible. We were just overwhelmed with the amount of love and just the godly movement we saw from everyone. Um, I, I am just so, so grateful. Uh, so thank you. And Hannah recovered just fine. Uh, if it wasn't for you guys, I wouldn't have my associate's degree. Yay! And little Johari is doing better than ever. So from the bottom of our hearts, from the Govan family, thank you, Stanwich Church. Thanks be to God.